Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Politicana. Today we're on episode 148. My name is Tyler. Of course, you have Pratik and Nick here as well. Before we begin, we always jump right into it, but please follow, please share the podcast. Really appreciate it. Uh, getting this out there to as many people as possible, of course. With that, though, we're going to be kicking off the day with Hunter Biden. So we have the first story. Hunter Biden receives first indictment. Federal prosecutors have indicted Hunter Biden on three gun-related charges, including falsifying information on, on a firearm purchase form. The first two counts, each carrying a maximum prison sentence of 10 years, accuse Hunter of completing a form falsely, indicating he wasn't using uh, illegal drugs when he bought a Colt Cobra revolver in October of 2018. The third count alleges he possessed a firearm while using a narcotic, carrying a maximum prison sentence of five years. Each count also carries a maximum fine of $250,000. I just want to expand briefly. Um, his um, legal counsel responded by saying, as expected, prosecutors filed charges today that were deemed uh, de that were not warranted just six weeks ago following a five-year investigation into the case. The evidence in this matter has not changed in the last six weeks, but the law has, and so has MAGA Republicans, improper, improper and partisan interference in this process, basically saying that the whole justice system is corrupt, something you basically heard from the Republicans for the past however many years. Um, it's funny that goes both ways. But with that, what are your thoughts on Hunter Biden and the situation? All right. So with Hunter Biden, my issue is, is that, like, as I said, as I would argue, and I've argued this in the past, nothing would really change with the Hunter Biden, like, indictment. Like, if you were a Democrat, you're still going to vote for Joe Biden. This doesn't change anything. It's not like Hunter Biden is, like, going to make somebody decide that they're going to vote for Donald Trump over Joe Biden. I don't think that's the case. And personally, I think these indictments have all, like, caused issues but at the same time, nobody values these indictments as much anymore because now you've seen so many Trump indictments that I just think that with the Hunter Biden receiving his first indictment is not going to change anything for anybody. No Democrat is going to go vote against Joe Biden. Republicans are not going to vote for Joe Biden anyway. So like this is one of those that it's like in, we're in that point where all Republicans will vote for their candidate and all Democrats will vote for their candidate. So these indictments are pretty pointless. And I, it's good that he's getting indicted and it's good that they are criticizing him for crimes that he's done but i don't think it changed moves any goalposts i think things just remain the same where it's like how you felt about hunter biden before is how you'll feel about him afterwards yeah so i think for this it's not going to change anyone's minds but you know some people may stay home right some people may think oh the bidens are corrupt i don't want to vote for them either i'm just going to stay out of this because the whole political system is messed up and they're not going to vote um, that's the only thing. Like, obviously, Hunter Biden, like, I am going to be voting for the Dems if Trump ends up being the candidate. I'm going to vote against him, right? Um, but as far as Hunter Biden, I can say, I can admit, Hunter Biden is a screw-up. He should go lock himself in the woods for, like, five years, say nothing, and the country would be way better off because he just keeps screwing up time after time after time. I personally actually feel bad for Joe, but maybe you need some tough parenting. I don't know how these things go. In any case... Um, what I will say, though, is that it's funny that, for example, the Republicans all the time, they're like, oh, the system is corrupt, at least the past couple of years. They're like, it's stacked against Trump. The justice system's a joke. And then now that Hunter Biden's being nailed, they're like, finally, some justice. This is real. All the rest of it is illegitimate. But now that they've got Hunter, it all makes sense. And also for the gun stuff, very funny as well, because MAGA Republicans in general are like, pro-Second Amendment, don't touch my guns, I don't care what's going on, I should be able to purchase a firearm. And now that Hunter Biden has done it, they're like, 
this is wrong. <laughs> he shouldn't have this. He should be thrown in jail. <laughs> and the thing is, it's a little ironic, right? It's a little funny. So I guess those are my thoughts. End of the day, doesn't really matter. But Hunter is a screw-up, and that's a drag on Joe Biden's campaign. I don't know if locking yourself in a cabin in the woods is a good way to prevent using drugs and using guns. I feel like that's the only thing probably to do if you're locked in yeah, a cabin no one, in the woods. Yeah, but no one would hear about it. For example, <laughs> Tyler, if, if, if Hunter Biden was naked in the woods oh, tell me. Tell doing me cocaine and, you know, shooting guns, and no one was there to hear it, did it ever really happen? Mm. That's a good point. Um, so with this whole situation, I, I do think it's funny, the hypocrisy you mentioned, like, oh, the justice system's corrupt, and then the other side does it, and then the other side says it's corrupt because it's going against them. I mean, look, at the end of the day, you, you looking moving forward, we should all realize that if someone's being prosecuted for any reason, they're going to say it's corruption and that they shouldn't be prosecuted. I mean, that's pretty clear. But in terms of affecting, you know, whether people go out and vote, I don't think this specifically will, simply because of the charges, like you said. For Republicans, it's like, yeah, Republicans generally believe you should be able to own guns. On the Democrat side, I don't know that the gun thing, him doing have, like doing narcotics, doing drugs, and like possessing a gun and like lying about that, I don't know if that's going to sway too many people. For me, the biggest thing about Hunter Biden was not the guns or the drugs. It was about the potential corruption with Joe Biden. So if there were to be some right. sort of indictment on that front, I feel like that would have a huge impact. But this specific case, I don't think it's going to play too hard in terms of people's voting. I, look, if you if you like Joe Biden at this point, I don't think this is going to change your mind. We've known for a while that Hunter Biden's shady. Does this really prove anything more? To me, it, it doesn't. I think in the minds of most voters, it doesn't make too much of a difference. It provides some legitimacy to say, look, this family's absurd, they're corrupt and all that. But at the same time, Trump has so many indictments going on on his side that like, I don't think this even puts a dent in that. Well, speaking of things that are hard for voters, let's talk about gutter politics or whether or not we've entered the era of porn star politicians. So Democratic Virginia House of Delegates candidate Susanna Gibson blasted her opponents for engaging in, quote, the worst gutter politics, end quote, after video surfaced of her and her husband performing sexual acts online for tips. Now, Gibson, the 40-year-old nurse practitioner running in the state's fit, uh, 57th district race, hosted several live webcam shows on the adult streaming site Chatterbait. That's according to the Washington Post. Now, Gibson, in response, called this an illegal invasion of her privacy designed to humiliate her. She said, quote, My political opponents and their Republican allies have proven that they're willing to commit a sex crime to attack me and my family because there's no line they won't cross to silence women when they speak up. <laughs> That's what she's told CNN in a statement. So Tyler and Pratik, again, just to be super clear for the audience, this is not revenge porn. This isn't private content that someone stole and then leaked online. She put this out for free, like of her own volition online and someone found it. So anyway, Pratik and Tyler, what do you think about this story and the era of porn star politics in Virginia? I think this is such a funny story because she decided to post a video of herself doing engaging in this sexual act with her husband for tips. Like, and they had multiple videos. It wasn't just like one video and they have live cam web shows going on. So the thing is, the thing is, is that like the irony about the whole story is that she, she put it on herself. Nobody brought it on her. But then they all go back to the same thing that they always do. It's like, oh, 
we didn't do this. These people are coming after me. They're coming after what I did. It's like, nah, you decided to make decision to decision to do this for yourself. So if you're running for politics, you should have thought about this beforehand because you're kind of an idiot. That's what I would say. But hey, who knows? Maybe people like porn star politicians. Yeah, Tyler, what yeah, do you think? In today's day and age, certainly the morals of our politicians, what we expect of them has changed a lot. But this, specifically this, sex oxon, personally, I have nothing against these people. Look, it's like people make a lot of money doing OnlyFans. They're providing a service for people. That's great and dandy. But when you enter politics, anything you've ever done in your life is going to be brought up. And to, to say that these are crimes, these are sexual crimes, that they're attacking you, it's like, no, they obviously <laughs> would go after you for this. If you're going to really expose yourself online like that and you're planning to run for public office one day, you have to expect that to come up and respond in a way that is somewhat reasonable. To say that it's a crime that they're going after you is ridiculous. What they should say is own it and say, look, yeah, I did this. In today's day and age, this is a reasonable way to make money. And I'm not ashamed of that. And I think that would have played much better than attacking the fact that they put out these videos online. Like, you can't you can't get past that. So I just think they had a poor response to the situation. Are we in the era of porn star politicians? I think we might be. I think we're going to see more and more of this. Like, OnlyFans, for instance, has only been around for a few years. I can imagine in 10, 20 years, some of these OnlyFans people made 10, 20, 30, 50 million dollars from, from being online. And look, maybe they'll want to run for office and that'll be a thing. Maybe morals change in this country. But at this point in time, I don't think we've gone so far to say if you're a porn star, we're just okay with, you know, allowing you into office. I think people still have an issue with that. Well, speaking of porn stars, why don't well, we turn to a friend and major fan, a donor, if you will, of porn stars. So Trump is refusing to pardoning him, pardon himself. So in an exclusive interview with NBC's Meet the Press moderator, Kristen Welker, Former President Trump said that he considers it, quote, very unlikely that he would pardon himself in 2024 if he wins. He said that, <laughs> he said, what, what did I do wrong? I didn't do anything wrong. You mean because I challenge an election, they want to put me in jail? People would say, would you like to pardon yourself? I have a couple of attorneys that said, quote, you can do it if you want. I had people that said it would look bad if you do it because I think it would look terrible. And then Trump ended by saying on his last day of office, um, quote, I could have had a pardon done that would have saved me of all these lawyers and all this, these fake charges, these Biden indictments, end quote. So Trump, again, at the end of the day, you know, with ultimate power, he doesn't want to wield it, though. He wants to hold back. You know, he's a man of the people. Tyler and Pratik. Uh, let's start with you this time, Tyler. What do you think of Trump refusing to pardon Well, himself? Trump is known for his restraint, so I completely understand why he's... Look, no, at the end of the day, he's just lying through his teeth. If, if Trump could get out of the charges by simply pardoning himself and there would be no backlash and no repercussions in any other way, absolutely Trump would pardon him. Of course he would. But publicly, when you're running for office, you can't say, I committed a crime, I'm going to get in office so I can rid myself of, you know, facing the consequences of the, of the crime I committed. So that's just how I see the situation. I don't have too much to add to that. It's just so funny that Trump's like, oh, of course I had the power to not go through all of this. But I, I was like, Jesus, I needed to be nailed to the cross so everyone knows the deep state's coming after me. Well, what he's saying is that he didn't commit any crimes, period. So Pratik, what do you think of that? <laughs> so I think that in the end, Donald Trump is a smart politician. 
we always like you know we say all this stuff about donald trump donald trump does this and donald trump should say things in a proper way or donald trump is not doing the right stuff in the end donald trump knows what he needs to do to make sure that he can get reelected again this is what he's good at when he's a president we don't know like you know there's certain things that we're like yeah he didn't do good on this and then there's certain things like yeah it's good he stuck it to china and then yeah, we have different opinions on what trump did whenever trump was in office but Whenever Trump has been running for office, one benefit that Trump has had is they've always attacked him, even though, like, you could argue that, yeah, Trump's also done some sketchy things, which is why he's being attacked. But in the end, Trump has been the target number one for all, all news and all legal systems and all people it's ever since he ran in 2015. Well, to be fair, he did, he did start it in a way where he said, look at these people yeah. in the back of the room. They're all liars. They're all... He, he basically was like, don't yeah, yeah, trust yeah, yeah. the I'm press. Not- and that's how he set it up. And of course, they came I after agree. him. And it was a mutually beneficial thing, right? Which I we've understand. talked about tons. The press benefits from Trump being in the news because people like they, they, they like drama. They like yeah. chaos. And Trump is drama and chaos. And then for Trump's side, it's like he wants people to know about him. That's why back in like the 70s and 80s, he used to impersonate him. He used to impersonate other people yeah. that were like his secretaries. And he would call into magazines and say, you know, Donald Trump is the most sought-after playboy in New York. All these beautiful women. He is such a great guy. It's like he <laughs> he literally tried. I don't know. The guy's ridiculous, but Pratik, please continue. But he's really good at marketing himself is what I'm saying. Like, there's a thing about Donald Trump is that Donald Trump has a way that he's going to be able to create all the media attention to surround him. And this is why what he's been doing. And if anything, I think that both sides played this stuff very well. Democrats know that the more and more they attack Trump, it's better for his, their side too, because they know Joe Biden can't win on his own. They can only win if Donald Trump is the opponent. So they're all playing it in their own ways. I honestly think that the benefit that Democrats have had is they've looked at it in a holistic level. They forgot about all their you know random emotions. Sure, they sell you whatever they sell you. But in the end, if Donald Trump does get impeached, if Donald Trump does get removed from running, they do know that they're still at an advantage. If Donald Trump does all this stuff, they have all these things going on about him and he's in the news all the time, they still know that they have an advantage because in the end, Donald Trump is good for news and it's good for their chances to win because there's as many people that like Donald Trump as many people that hate Donald Trump. And I think that for parties, they have to look at it in the whole you know process. And I've always said, we're going to talk about Nancy Pelosi and I'll talk more about this, but Democrats are a very smart party. They know everything that they're doing. They know that they need to hit Trump as much as they can they know all this news media stuff is benefiting them they knew that as soon as trump left office they were going to drag out january 6 like it was the biggest terrorist attack on the planet for four years they've done that they're going to drag it out until the day of the election if trump wins they're going to have a whole new scandal that pops out and that's what they basically did with russia whenever he won last time and they're good at this this is a talent republicans are garbage at this i'll criticize the republicans when we start talking about kevin mccarthy but My point is, is that Donald Trump is very good at selling himself. Donald Trump being in the election is better for getting more people to come out and vote because people are going to go vote for him or vote against him. But the thing about Donald Trump is he is the most well-known individual that has ever been in politics in the history of politics. Everybody knows who Donald Trump is. You won't find any random person in America and be like, who is Donald Trump? And that person be like, I have zero clue. Everyone knows who this guy is. So I think... 
The benefit of Donald Trump is that he is very notorious. Whether you like him or you hate him, you have an opinion about him. And I think that Donald Trump knows that. And the way Donald Trump shines is he stays in the news media and he stays in, you know, in the in the minds of the people. And I think that you look at the Republican side, none of those other idiots can do that. They all want to be Trump. Everybody wants to be Trump in terms of media attention because they know Donald Trump has won the presidency and he's been able to like at least create a whole brand new wing of the party on his own because he's so Donald Trump. And everybody wants some of that. Like it's kind of like yeah, they criticize him, nobody likes him. There's people that don't like him, there's people that really love him, there are people that would die for him, and there's people that are like, we can't stand him. But in the end, Donald Trump has an ability to make it about him. And I think that's the winning mantra that you need in any candidate. And whether or not Donald Trump is the candidate or not that wins, in the end, I think this is the reason why Donald nothing can stop Donald Trump from being the candidate of the Republican Party. Yeah, guys, look, he knows how to brand himself to merge this story and the last story. What if Trump came out with an OnlyFans? I can only imagine the amount of news coverage that man would get, the amount of money that would bring in for his campaign. That would truly start the era of porn star politics. And, you know, I think if Trump was de desperate enough, he'd, he'd whip it up. He would do it. He could start um, a whole TV you know, show. He wouldn't do it. But hold on, before we get to Joe, Joe Manchin. Of course. I just briefly want to say the one funny thing about this, of course, is that if Georgia, if he's indicted in Georgia, federal authorities mm -hmm. have no power whatsoever in Georgia to overturn that indictment. So Trump could not pardon himself if he was found to be guilty in Georgia, which is very interesting. But of course, he would put pressure on Georgia as a state. Uh, but ultimately, like Pratik was saying, like, this is good messaging, you know, by Trump saying, like, what is there to pardon? Why would I pardon myself? People are saying I could do it, but I won't. I won't wield that power, you know? Exactly. It's, it's just his classic <laughs> MO and how he always loves to frame things. But let's look at a much less, um, you know, a man with less humility in a way, Joe Manchin. Tyler, bring us, yes. bring us home on that. Yeah, so what would Manchin do? So Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia is keeping everyone guessing about his next moves. The 2024 deadline for re-election or presidential run looms. He's had some heart-to-heart -heart talks with his family and even sought counsel from former President Bill Clinton, who cautioned him against the third-party presidential bid, fearing it would inadvertently aid Donald Trump. Manchin has three paths ahead. He could run as an independent for West Virginia's re-election, embark on a presidential journey with the No Labels movement on a third-party ticket, or opt for retirement. If he sticks around in politics, it's highly likely he'll part ways with the Democratic Party. With all of that said, what are your thoughts on Joe Manchin? What should he do next and what will he do next? Well, here's the thing. If he does run, Biden's going to lose the election. That's just how it is. Joe Manchin has a lot of pull or he will have pull in states that are a contest, right? If this was California, who would care? Like he's not really going to influence it there. But as far as like Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, you know, whatever, like North Carolina, those are states that would vote for someone who's more of a blend between Republican and Democrat, and that blend is Joe Manchin. So he would end up swaying the election there, and he would probably take votes more from Biden than he would from Trump uh, in, in those states. And the other thing about Joe Manchin is that West Virginia itself, while Joe Manchin has been in office, has been trending more and more Republican. Like, if you go back 100 years ago, a lot of the labor movement, a lot of the socialists and Marxists in the United States, they were around West Virginia. That's where a lot of this stuff was happening with the union struggles and the coal mines and all this stuff. You can look it up. This is ancient history at this point. Nowadays, 
West Virginia is very Republican, okay? <laughs> There's no real socialists around. That's not really a thing. So for Joe Manchin, like, if he's not running, the Democrats are going to lose that state 100%, and they could lose control of the Senate as a result of that. And so that's the real toss-up here. Does he, for own personal glory or to force Biden out, does he decide to run? Or does he try to like sort of, it's sort of like the party or the person, right? If you really care about the party, he would stay in. He would try to run for another term because he's the only Democrat that would win in West Virginia. Otherwise, the Republicans have won that state down the entire ballot except for him, really. Um, but on the other hand, if he decides to do the third party presidential candidate run, you know, he could screw everything up like Tyler alluded to. So Pratik, what are your thoughts on Joe Manchin? I know you kind of like the guy. <laughs> so I'm going to bring in some other things, some other facts of the story. So if Joe Manchin was to run again, there's been polls that have happened. So in the Senate, in the Senate for West Virginia, does Jim Justice guy, who's the governor of West Virginia, is actually one of the most popular governors in the country? Um, nobody really knows who he is, probably apart from West Virginia. He's not like a really well-known name or anything. But Jim Justice has constantly been beating Manchin in all the polls that have been taking place. So any polls that have taken place between Jim Justice, the Republican guy who's the governor, um, and Joe Manchin for that Senate position that Joe Manchin is in, he's winning by over 22 points. So there's really no way that Joe Manchin will probably win that election again. And the thing about Joe Manchin is that, as Nick's, uh, Nick's alluded to, West Virginia is a very conservative state as it is. Democrats are becoming more and more liberal. And Joe Manchin is kind of caught in this middle where he's like, he's not really the most like liberal politician there is. He's just like as conservative as a Democrat that they're ever going to elect. So he's like kind of in this weird space where Joe Manchin can't really do that much. Like, Joe Manchin can't run as a Republican because Republicans aren't going to support him. They're just going to support their Republican guy, who is Jim Justice. And why would they? Why would Joe Manchin, if Joe Manchin decides to run as a Democrat and he knows he's going to win, it seems kind of pointless to run. Like, if he knows he's going to lose, sorry. If he knows he's going to lose, what's the point of him running? So I think it's one of those that maybe he should do something. But in the end, in my opinion, with all these people like Joe Manchin, they are traitors to their party in some way or context. Sure, it's good that these people are fighting for what they believe in. It's sure, it's good that they're fighting for what they think is correct. And that's all good, fair, and dandy. Problem is, is that politics is a two-man street. Like, you have two teams that you can support. You support the Republicans and you, or you support the Democrats. If you don't support your party in, you know, full, thoroughly as much as you can, the party doesn't need you. They can replace you. Problem with Joe Manchin is, is that there's no Democrat that can replace Joe Manchin in West Virginia. He's really like, he's like the best they got over there because West Virginia is a state that is going to be won by Republicans otherwise. So it's one of those, I don't really know the answer to this. I do think that these people, in my opinion, if they're not willing to support and blindly support the party, I don't think these people should be in office. Good thing Democrats only got one person like this because Kristen Sinema went independent. Republicans have a whole team of these people. Like, there's people that are moderates in the Republican Party, like Mitt Romney and, like, Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins. These people are good for nothing. They should have a baseball like, they're game. They're not... They should figure it out. Yeah. All the misfits should all team up exactly. and battle it out. I think the misfits should create their own party, really. Like, I, I honestly don't understand, like, why these people even are there. And my problem is that they're in the Senate. See, when you're in the House... 
it's different. If you suck at your job, you will be replaced. Nobody really cares about you all that much. Like they have whips and stuff, they'll put you in line, and if you don't get on board, they got a whole team of other random people. And that you are can willing be as radical you. as you want, by the way. In the house, like your yeah. district could be overwhelmingly one party <laughs> or another, and it's just whoever's the most extreme in that one. You party could be is like MTG. Win. Yeah, exactly. You could be like MTG. As a senator, house, you have to see? be more moderate by default. And. And I think with the Senate, that my problem is, is that when you have people like this, they cause other problems in your party. Like if we talk about congressional approval rates and why Senate can't get things done, it's because of these idiots. Like if you want a successful and you want a you want a system in place that is actually able to accomplish things legislatively, like they've been arguing about abortion for years, right? Democrats have never been able to create a legislative bill to try to you know codify abortion to make it a federal law. They didn't it's feel because pressure of these to, idiots. Yeah. And in the same way, Republicans have been arguing about banning abortion for years. It's because of these very idiots that they can't do nothing. In the end, Congress is the problem. And the problem revolves around these people. Because Joe Manchin can't run and win as an independent in West Virginia. And none of these other people that are running in the Republican Party that are moderates can do that either. Because they need their party to win. The reason that they won in the first place is because they were affiliated with that party. So instead of having any party loyalty, these people are just thinking about themselves and think, they're being selfish in a way and my argument is like yeah it's good that these people are fighting for what they believe is right you're electing people you're not electing stooges but in the end if you don't have stooges in politics your political system is going to fall apart anyway because senate won't be able to accomplish anything as it is particularly, so like particularly, are you saying we, end, need you need <laughs> we need stooges we need you do. Everyone should be a mindless drone the end, and if you think for yourself end, you should be shot out there yeah, in the end, our country our country is a two-party system. So, like, we don't operate like a parliament. You don't have multiple Yeah, but this is all fine, running. but Joe Manchin wields more power than almost anyone else right now. Because he's, he's the, selfish. He has the power as a single senator in West Virginia. Who the fuck gives about West Virginia? To change the entire presidential election because he doesn't strongly align with Democrats. And he and doesn't think have that loyalty, that. but that doesn't mean he's... So, are you saying he's a bad politician? Because yes. personally, as a politician, he can leverage this... To get a better position, he can tell the Democrat, like he might retire, but he could tell the Democrats theoretically, I'm gonna run unless you give me XYZ, unless you give West Virginia XYZ. Like he has more leverage than all the stooges combined. So, in terms of being a politician and an effective politician, he's probably very good at what he's doing. Just because on the national stage, he's not trying to help a party that he doesn't even necessarily align with. That doesn't, in my opinion, make him a bad politician. He's he actually run as very effective at what he's doing and how he's positioned himself. I think in the end, these people got elected because they belong to a party. There's nothing special. There's not, no rhyme and reason to why Joe Manchin became popular. Joe Manchin became popular because he decided to run as a Democratic Party candidate. But if I he decided disagree. to run as a no-labels candidate that. in this first time that he ran, nobody would vote for him because nobody would know who Joe Manchin is. People don't vote for people in this country. They vote for what party they but belong this... <laughs> to, unless you're Donald Trump. So I, I do think that disagree. in the end, like... These people, if you're running in the Senate, you have to have some loyalty for the party that puts you there in the first place. If you for don't have reason? any loyalty, Tell, for for what reason? Because just they're the I'm reason to you're flesh a politician. Out what you believe here. I just want they're, to they're, the reason you're able to be a senator is because you belong to a Republican or a Democratic party when you first ran. See, nowadays, like somebody like Kristen Sinema can run again as an independent and she can win because of the sole reason that originally she ran as a Democrat and people voted for her because she was a Democratic candidate. So now people know who she is. So she has the popularity to be able to win, in, win a senatorial election on her own. 
But people like this in general, like unless they win, run as a Republican or a Democrat, they have eight different parties in the ballot. I don't know who any of these other people's parties candidates are. That's all fine. But why is using a party, using a party to get elected? Is it a moral issue? Like I'm trying to, what is the exact it's issue? issue? It's, it's a if team issue. So if, if you're, you're, if you're, if you're not a team athlete, player, you shouldn't be in politics. There yes. can only be two ideas. But, yes. And what's funny about this is like for someone that like is at least sympathetic to Trump, Trump was not like anyone in the Republican Party and actually changed the entire. So you can either change the direction of the entire Republican. party or you have to fall in line is what I'm hearing. And there's yes. no in between. Because you're not running for president. You're running for Senate. Senate has only like 50 people. You need you barely ever have a majority in the Senate. So if you decide to run in the Senate, if you're not a team player, the Senate people, the party in power should throw you out of office because you're worse for everybody else in the Senate. This is a, a republic where we get to vote for our officials, not it. not that the party decides who gets to be in one yeah, place. That's, Tyler, that's not our political if you, system. If you decided... Would you like to I, live in that again, political system where the party decides what people are in power? That, in certain we already places? do live in that political but, 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 system. We don't, we're supposed to we live have in a constitutional republic. In if a democracy tomorrow, to some degree. If tomorrow the Libertarian Party won for president, won all the seats, and then they decided to have a legit third party, then sure, we could have more you know, options and all this stuff. But in the end, our system is structured around a two-party system. So either you're in that party or you're not in that party. And if you're not in that party, you need to be kicked out. Because if anything, you're making it worse for all the other members in that party. The issue most people have with politics is the fact that it's a two-party system. And that fact for you is unchanging. It's this cannot change. This is how it is. So everyone must fall in line. To yeah. me, I think you eventually you need to work past the fact that there are two parties. And having only two parties is not an effective way to manage a country necessarily. So you're, you're vying for the status quo. I'm not. In That's the, end, the fundamental difference. When here. you vote. People that are voting, generally speaking, not all people, but most people, when you vote and you're voting in your ballots and you see commissioner of labor, who is this guy? Oh, the, you know, the commissioner chair, who is this guy? Board of education chair, who are these people? The reason you vote for them is because they belong to a party. If they didn't, if your argument would be fair and dandy, if people would go and vote and they're like, oh yeah, I know this guy. I got a personal connection with this dude. Oh, he's a socialist. So, hey, so if okay. you run for him. office as a Republican, you owe them your first child. Yes. Like you're indebted to them for yes. the rest of your life. If you want to have a career, a, you're, a career you're wearing that, that team jersey and you can't change. You can't take it off. You're enslaved to them yes. forever. You better be a stooge. No matter if they believe some crazy shit, wherever the party's direction goes, you better follow them because exactly. they helped you get there. Even if in 20 years you're still there and they believe the opposite of what they believe today, guess what? You better fall in line because you have no sway. In to me, that's ridiculous. Like, and I think absolutely that you're, ridiculous. And what, what you're saying is what I believe because I in know. the end, I get it. In the end, <laughs> those people are only they're able to become career politicians. If you're if you're in politics and you're able to win politics I, again I and again and again loyalty. because all these people are there forever, right? They all literally die in office. So if you're in office and you have a 95% incumbency rate because you belong to a particular party when you first ran, in the end you owe that party your loyalty because you're a career politician. If you decided that you were going to be in office for 2 years or 6 years and then stop because you wanted to be do what the right thing was, then yeah, go ahead. You can do argue what 
whatever you want to do. You could fight for whatever you want to believe. But in the end, if you want to become a career politician, Joe Manchin is a career politician. It's not like he's had other jobs going on while he's doing this. He's been in office for like three, four terms. So these people in the end, you need the party loyalty, you need the party for you to be able to be a career politician. And if your salary depends on your party loyalty, then you need to be in that party. Otherwise, you're a waste of time. If anything, you're you're trade you're a traitor to all those people that vote down ballot that are 80% of all the people that vote. Because in the end, they're voting for the party. They're not voting for you. And Nick, I want to get you in quickly on this, but I'll just a quick analogy. It's not like perfect, this analogy, but look, you got drafted into the MLB. You're on the Yankees. You, you better be a fucking Yankee player. for You can't get traded. You can't be on any other team. But Nothing can happen in your life where you're not a Yankee. Because they got you to the MLB, and without them, you wouldn't even be in the major but leagues. But it's and different because, because that, they got 32 teams. You don't deserve teams. to be there if you decide to change but, teams. But, Tyler, they have 30 teams. They have 30 no, I, and I get That's why it's not a you only have two teams. But it's the same the sentiment. Politics. It's the same sentiment. Where it's if like, there were 30 teams in politics, then I would agree with you. But there's two teams. So you're either on one side or the other side. If you're not on that side, you ain't going to make the it. The party don't control the fact that we have a, a constitutional republic the, the fact that we're a democracy they don't get to dictate that just because they're systematically in charge does try, not mean that they get to decide who i have and who a, have a rebuttal for you from this country try deciding to um, tr let's say let's say tomorrow they decide to throw trump in jail let's see how that works out do you think there's going to be a constitutional republic anymore hell no people that are voting in the republican party won't vote anymore and they'll probably riot in the streets then what are you going to do what is your constitution gone you got two parties the reason that they're so powerful is because there's only two options available. There was 50 options available. Nobody would care if you're a Republican or a Democrat. But when you got in, the same thing applies to Democrats. It's a good okay? way to keep if two tomorrow, options if you say you have to be on one or team or the other and if, you can't change. If that tomorrow, just keeps the system how it is. If tomorrow Republicans were to riot and go into the White House and let's say they murder Joe Biden, in the end, your constitutional republic is dead. Okay, if that happens, my republic's dead. Okay. Exactly. Is that happen and my point is, is, is that gonna because... Happen? is because there's two parties. If there was multiple parties, then you're right. But because there's two parties, if anything happens to one side or another, it's like it's like a battle of good versus evil, where you have one one side's good, one side's evil. It's based on the party person. But if good and evil changes every say few one side's years. Good, yeah, but you are blindly supporting that party because you got two options. So in the end, because it's a two-man street game, I do believe that it does matter which side you fall on because if you don't fall on that side and if you're a traitor to that side, the Democrats are not going to bring you to their side, but you're an establishment politician because you belong to that side. So you are using the party by being there. Yeah, I think we fleshed that out. Nick, do you do yeah, you have any sorry. commentary on this? No, no, no. It's, I mean, that was just a good discussion. We fleshed out what we believe. But Nick, do you have any opinions or thoughts on what we just talked about? I am a man of no opinions and no thoughts. That's why I do the show. <laughs> you would be every a perfect week. politician in Fatigue's world. <laughs> I can no, be molded no however you want me. Dude, I'm like one of those line. little clay men. <laughs> I'm like Get Mr. Potato Head. And walk forward. I'm like the Mr. Don't Potato Head of ideas. You give me a little bit of this and that, and you can construct my <laughs> my brain any way you want. <laughs> but um, no, I was looking at Joe Manchin while you guys were talking, and um, from what Pratik was saying, I think it's a pretty common refrain to say that politicians are only there because like they they applied for one party in the first place and people only know them because of that party and then they build a personal brand and decide that they have so much influence they they can they can jump ship and is that really fair when they built their entire uh, career on the back of aligning with a political party and i do think that 
you know, that that has some merit. Also, I think Tyler's right, though, which is if you join a party 20 years ago and the party is fundamentally changed and you have not, I don't think you owe it to the rest of the party to change with them. If anything, you know, you kind of should you should reevaluate and see, do I belong to another party? And if you do, then you should change and expect your voters to to act according to that. And maybe they don't vote for you again. Um, But I do think it would be the right thing to like declare a different party. Now, the issue comes, for example, there's no party for Manchin to neatly fall into. He's a Democrat in West Virginia, but in California, he's a Republican. So like there's no neat box for him to just sit in in the Democrat Party at large on a national basis. And so like he has to sort of still align with them because it makes the most sense. He's not really a Republican and he's not anything else. So I think it's fine for him still to stay as a Dem. And if he wants to go third party independent, like you said of other candidates like Cinema, do that if you have the confidence. But again, I don't think he would win if he, if he did that. So I don't think he will. Um, so in the end, it's about winning. And and the thing <laughs> though is that like as far as he is in a tough place though because for Mansion in particular, if you think of like if I just were to ask you guys, what is the one state or what is the one profession that Obama and Clinton kind of went after? Like, what did they say? Like, for example, Hillary Clinton said she wanted to put coal out of business. I think that's what she said. Maybe I'm misquoting there. Obama also was trying to clean things up. And then, of course, he got derailed by all sorts of other things and never accomplished very much. He did a little, but not too much. And so for Manchin, being a Democrat in West Virginia, Manchin made some of his money, by the way, in the coal business. And so he says proudly on his website that he's from a small coal mining town. And put aside all the fact that, like, you know, West Virginia has some of the worst asthma rates. It has some of the worst life expectancy outcomes. Like living in a coal town, like you can be proud of all the labor that people put into it, but like ultimately it's a pretty crappy industry to work in. Your human health and everything else is just gonna be so much worse than a lot of other occupations. And I, I get it, you go through a hard time, you wanna rationalize it and legitimize it to say, oh, this is such a great thing. And and another part of it is like West Virginia can tell themselves, which they did for, for many, many years, they can say, that they mined the coal that America used to grow its economy and do well. That's what they can tell themselves, and that's a good story. And so when you have a major political party like the Democrats, where the last two major candidates, Obama and Hillary Clinton, both said that they were anti-coal in one way or another, that's how it's understood, that's how it's perceived, you as a senator representing that state with a coal background are put in a very difficult position where the ma- where the You're majority right. of the party or whatever is saying that the thing you represent is bad. And you have to go then say to your constituents who are all on your side, pro coal, you have to say to them, hey, I've got your back. You know, you elected me. I'm going to take care of you. And so I think for him, it it makes sense that he's opposing the Democrats on so many things because, you know, in, in the same way that he owes it to the party, the fact that he got on the ballot, he still owes it to his voter base. They're the ones who elected him. And so if exactly. they are pro-coal, he has to be pro-coal as well. And to be fair, he is individually. <laughs> like That's what he's like. And sure, he's cracked down a little bit. For example, Massey, who if you want to look up like terrible business people, look up the Massey Corporation um, for coal in West Virginia. Like it, it's just not a good company. But, you know, for example, the, the light touch that he gave to Massey, Massey went out and said, oh, my God, Mansion, like he's coming down on coal really hard. He's he's a terrible person, whatever. And so Manchin, no matter what he does, if he does a little, he's derided by the the coal community. If he does a lot, the Dems are never really going to forgive him for splitting on 
on, on major votes with them. And so he's just in a very strange spot to the point where, if anything, I think even though logically we, sh- we would say if he wants to win political office, if that's the ultimate goal, stay in West Virginia, even if you think you're going to lose this time, you, you have your best shot there. But if you're just tired of it all, if everyone's been pushing you around all these different ways and you're just like, you know what, screw it, I want to do my own thing, then why not? Why not run third party? Why not run independent? And if you really think that Joe Biden and Democrat leadership is so wrong, do it. But the thing is, like, the, the, the true irony is that Joe Manchin is closer to Joe Biden than he is to AOC or anyone else. So it, it's just very ironic that, like, the person he would run against most aligns with his own ideas. And so it, that's just a very strange argument to have. So those are my thoughts. I thought that that actually provided a lot of good light for me and like me and Pratik's disagreement. It's like there's a tension between the party and then the people and the politicians in the middle. It's like, do they align more with the people or more with the party? I would say the people. Pratik would say the party. I think that's yeah. actually the exact difference. So yeah. thank you for that. Yeah. Take me and away I, from I think... this five minute interlude. My God, I didn't realize I talked for that, that long. Was, Someone that stopped awesome. me. No, no, you're good. Good. We, me and Tyler argued for a while. Too. Give me the impeachment yeah. Um, but stuff. What... Yeah, Pratik, what do you got? One thing I would say, though, it's weird. If Joe Manchin was to run as a third-party candidate for the president thing, like I do looking at it from a holistic scale, Donald Trump, for all it's worth, is a very moderate Republican. Like these are the people like Donald Trump's the only Republican that would fight for the union workers and fight for these people. Like no Republicans are going to be like, yeah, let's stick it to the employer. Let's fight for the, you know, union workers. He was talking about the union auto workers union argument, you know, thing going on. And then Biden argued the same thing in his own way. The irony is that these people are all kind of the same on certain issues dealing with manufacturing, manufacturing the industrial sector. Joe Manchin is a coal mining guy. Donald Trump was fighting for the coal miners. Then you have Joe Biden. He won because of these people. So it's like their weird thing about all these three candidates, if they were all three to run, is they're all old. They're all moderates in their own way. And the thing is that these are their voting bases in their own way. Like Trump's MAGA creation is a lot of these blue collar workers. These are people that have always voted Democrats for people like Joe Biden and Joe Manchin. The irony about Joe Manchin, too, is that Joe Manchin is always going against whatever the Democratic causes are. Then you have Donald Trump on this side. Donald Trump was like, he's he's more, he's created the party to go left on a lot of these issues that they weren't left on previously, especially dealing with protectionist policies and dealing with the manufacturing sector. So I don't know. It's different, in my opinion. So, all right, let's, that's this my analysis. Let's transition impeachment. to the impeachment Tell story. me what's up, Pratik. So. So my impeachment was better than yours. So on CNN's Anderson Cooper show, Pelosi stated that former President Donald Trump would bring back a criminal enterprise to the White House. She said, it cannot happen or we will not be the United States of America. Then she began discussing House politics related to the shutdown. With the budget bill at a standstill and a government shutdown looming, Speaker Kevin McCarthy initiated an impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden without a full House veto. He claimed that former Speaker Pelosi changed the precedent when she announced an impeachment inquiry against President Donald Trump on September 24, 2019. In a fiery interview on MSNBC's Morning Joe, Pelosi vehemently dismissed McCarthy's argument as hogwash. She rebuked the idea that she had delayed action, pointing out the Democrats swiftly voted to support President Trump's impeachment. 
I mean, it's ridiculous, Pelosi said, and I don't know why the press keeps repeating it. The fact is, we said we were going to. I assigned my committee chair, six of them, to develop the facts because you have to act upon the facts. That's a strange thing to say, maybe, around here, but you have to act upon the facts. Pelosi criticized Republicans for conducting an investigation on Hunter. They've had eight months of investigation and came up with nothing. And now they're trying to say, well, we're not going to have a vote because Nancy didn't have a vote the first day, she said. No, we had a vote. We were in preparation for a vote. She stressed that when it comes to impeachment, you have to do it with care and not on impulse, adding the House Democrats moved forward with impeaching Trump when they had the case ready. Now they again have been investigating for months, coming up with nothing, Pelosi said, and now they're going to say on the basis of nothing, we're going to have a vote on how we go forward. Don't blame it on me, she said. Just take responsibility for what, you've, what you were doing there and don't misrepresent the care that we took, the respect that we had for the institution to go forward in a way that really addressed the high crimes and misdemeanors of President Trump. In the past, Pelosi launched the first impeachment probe into Trump in 2019 without a full House vote, where House Democrats announced two articles of impeachment against him about two and a half months after she announced the formal impeachment inquiry. They alleged Trump corruptly solicited the government of Ukraine to publicly announce investigations into the Bidens and fostered a conspiracy theory alleging Ukrainian interference in the 2016 election. The question now is whether McCarthy can prevent a government shutdown by appeasing the MAGA wing of the party, or if this will escalate the already tense relationship between the two parties. Let's see how the battle of McCarthy versus Pelosi unfolds. So there's a lot there, but what are your thoughts on all this stuff going on? It's basically we have a war of impeachments going on. My impeachment is better than yours. What are y'all's thoughts? Whose impeachment is better and why? What a I waste. love how she says... You have to do it uh, when it comes to impeachment, she stressed. You have to do it with care and not impulse, <laughs> as the Democrats <laughs> repeatedly tried to impeach Trump. It's just like, it's so ridiculous. Just like how we're in the era of indictments and charges, or also in the era of impeachments where presidents just get impeached all the freaking time. The public doesn't care. Like, this is one of those situations where a few years ago, if you heard a president was going to be impeached or they were putting it forward that would be like breaking news but today basically any normie anyone that's not following politics pretty in depth probably has no idea that there's they're, they're trying to impeach anyone so i don't know this whole thing's ridiculous on the government shutdown thing i don't want to get too much into that again but man can we just stop impeaching people it's like they're only there for a few years biden's not like <laughs> that bad he's really just not that bad let's just wait him out elect someone new and go from there and stop impeaching everyone in a way, I actually I'll disagree, welcome but it. let's go. No, I actually welcome some of this stuff because, for example, like, um, even though, I mean, here's the unfortunate truth. I think that Trump and his family are corrupt. I think they've had very shady business dealings. And I think that, you know, even though he came into the presidency with wealth, I think he used his position to personally finance and benefit his own family. And that, for example, Jared Kushner got billions of dollars. Why did he get that? It was purely just because of politics, okay? Um, that's that's my opinion. For Joe Biden, of course, on the other side, though, it's also like it's an open secret that politicians personally enrich themselves while they're in office and no one has the balls to do anything about it. Um, the only people who would go after them, it's either 
randomly some prosecutors who are also funnily enough like involved in the political system uh and then second it's like the people in congress who themselves are personally enriching themselves so they have no no incentive to go after the other people and so it's a very unfortunate thing that we've just accepted it for so long and now i think it's at least good granted i agree that whenever an impeachment comes out i wave it away and i don't care but at the same time, it's good that we're actually doing this because now it's finally sort of a sense of, oh, if you're actually using the office to improperly benefit yourself, that's not OK. Of course, it's all legal in a lot of these ways. Like that's the that's the crappy part. Like a lot of what they're doing is totally legal and it's totally fine, <laughs> but it's clearly corrupt and a misuse of authority and power. So that's where I sort of land on it. I'm glad it's happening, that we are having more of this stuff come out. But at the same time, like you said, uh, there is fatigue. Too many people are just tired of it. They've shut their brains off whenever they hear impeachment because it's been used so much and overused to the point where it's devalued and ignored. How can you better serve your country than generating tens and hundreds of millions of dollars for yourself? <laughs> I don't know, Nick, but Pratik, what are your and, thoughts? Yeah, it was funny. His last episode, Tyler was talking about Nancy Pelosi and the stock market and how she's benefited a lot. Well, this is part of the same you know, structure of things, but I will say... My opinion, and this is as a Republican, and this is not as me, like, you know, this is as a party. I really believe that the party itself, the Republican Party, is a very pointless party. Because Democrats continue time and time again for four years trying to impeach Trump, trying to make Trump look bad, trying to do whatever in their power to remove Trump from office. That didn't start after three years in office. That started on like the first week of them coming into the, like, it, since Trump won. First thing they talked about is the Russians rigged it. There was no way that this election would have happened the same way it did. And then they dragged that thing out. They also proved that it was all fake because they didn't find any, like, you know, they didn't find any source material to prove that they what they were saying was legitimate and the same thing is that them, uh, republicans may have done the same stuff with this stuff with the hunter stuff i have no idea but the argument could be made i just think that this is normal politics now if you don't impeach and if you don't do what the democrats did you're a stupid party if you don't decide to punch back whenever somebody punches you 10 times you're just an idiot because you're getting punched on one end and I think the fa fact is, is that Democrats are a very intelligent party because they know how to win their supporters. They know that Joe Biden is not going to be able to give an amazing speech and win all these people to go vote from the Democratic side. The way that they win their election is because they need to criticize Donald Trump from the get-go, criticize everything that Donald Trump does, make anything that Donald Trump does or say become a news story, and they know that they need to keep dragging out these investigations as long as can be because that's what's going to benefit them. And I think that's a smart political strategy. I'm not criticizing the Democrats. I just think the Republicans should do it too. But like, Pratik, you've side, also said that Trump always being in the news benefits Trump. Yes, Which is it? Are it they is, trying to take down both. Trump and does it benefit Democrats or it's a, it's a two-way street. I think it's a two-way street. They both benefit. They both benefit. I think Trump benefits because it keeps him in the news. Trump wins because of media attention and he wins because of limelight, as I said earlier. But at the same time, Democrats know if Trump gets removed, if Trump gets, like, you know, indicted, Democrats are going to win that election. There's no, if Joe Biden win, runs, if Joe Biden doesn't run, then I don't know. Then it's like a, you know, throw a shot in the dark, you know, dart throw. Who knows? But if Donald, if Joe Biden, based on his polling data and based on the information that we know, Joe Biden is better than every Democrat that they got out there in terms of polling data. Again, the stuff may change if Donald Trump's not there, but it's one of those things that I would never vote against numbers and polling because that's what we know 
from the top. That's the only thing we know. We don't know how people feel about X, Y, and Z people. We know about how people poll on average. And based on polling data, that's what we know is that Joe Biden is more popular than every Democrat that they have that can potentially run. Now, based on that same scenario, if something happens to Trump, let's say they decide that they're going to ban Trump from running. Let's say that Trump gets like, you know, indicted and all this stuff. Democrats still win. If Donald Trump doesn't get indicted and they drag out these investigations where Mar-a-Lago to January 6th and every other random story that comes out from rape scandals to like, you know, tax, tax evasion stuff. In the end, all that stuff is going to make Democrats go full steam ahead to vote, go vote against Donald Trump. They're not voting for Joe Biden. They're voting against Donald Trump. But even if Donald Trump wasn't in the race, Democrats would probably still win if Joe Biden is the candidate because incumbents generally don't lose unless they have a really quality candidate running against them or if there's some crazy event that happens like COVID. So I think in many of these cases, I think in the end, Democrats think really strategically. All this stuff that I've talked about today, I'm sure Democrats strategists have thought about this stuff way in advance. They're a very intelligent party. My party is the most stupid, pointless party of Dude, all time. Pratik, the Republicans you know can't stand you know up for themselves. So they can't fight about for... you saying that, though? Yeah. It's like if you look up, for example, there was this book called Rat Fucked, which was the story of gerrymandering in the U.S. over the last... I don't know. It was like a 10-year period. It was looking at like 08 onwards, right? Um, once Obama won the election and Republicans are like, oh, crap, we lost. How did this happen? We got to get get our get our mojo back. So uh, that story was basically talking about it. it was a Democrat basically lamenting the fact that Republicans were way smarter than Democrats when it came to gerrymandering and that they were doing so much better across the country and that there were smarter political operatives across the board. And so it's so funny to me to like read stuff like that. And then on the show, Pratik, you're like, the Democrats are smart. The Republicans are dumb. So it's funny how like both sides, you know, in, yeah. in a way to say that their own side needs to that, get their, yeah. their act together. They'll say like, oh, the other side's so smart. We're so dumb. Why are we so stupid? We need to be better. And it's like both both sides yeah. think that to some degree, which, again, I think is funny. It, and I guess I'm idealistic. But the reason so I, I agree that's how politics is played. But I, and I always say this. It's like an eye for an eye makes the whole world go blind. Our uh, our democracy, our country is is worse for the wear when everyone has the mentality of if they do it to me, I'm going to do it to them. Because eventually, you're just going to blow each other up. That or is you're mutually lose. assured destruction. That is not helpful or productive. So it takes a principled... It will, I don't think parties can necessarily be principled. They're too big and bureaucratic. But it would take a party to go, I'm going to be above this. And hopefully you'll still vote for me. Which will never happen. Understand <laughs> if that, that happens, happens, they will lose. To me, <laughs> They'll be the Republicans. I'm slowly watching the decline of our American political system. And it's it, like I said... Mutually assured destruction. If if we're both going to only get worse and worse and worse and worse, then we're all worse off for that. That's that's how empires collapse. They collapse internally, not externally. Um, so that's my my worry there. I I know you guys have some more thoughts, but Nick, you just posted in the chat Biden's uh, shop online, like a merch shop. You could buy mugs and shirts. They literally gave Joe Biden the Bitcoin eyes. Like, if you go on Twitter, all the people that are in crypto, they have these, like, shining eyes they'll replace with the regular eyeballs. They gave those to Biden, but it looks like he's on Hell's Gates about to fucking pass into the afterlife with, with these eyes. So check out that merch to be, shop. To be fair, yeah, the red man. eyes have been used outside of the crypto community. Um, but 
I, I get where you're, that is kind of cool to know. I didn't know that all the avatars had that because it comes from back in the day when people used to deep fry memes and they would make everything, you know, bright reds. They would like really stretch the grains I didn't of different that. things. And so I don't know, like the red eyes and all this stuff. And there's probably some anime crossover too. Of course, if someone has red eyes, you would think there's got to be anime crossover in there. Biden's but, really <laughs> leading into but, the anime crowd for this next But no, election. seriously, for the dark Brandon memes. <laughs> One Piece did really well on Netflix. Like, so he's like, and they did that guys, for, for example, all in 2016, all the Can't Stump the Trump videos that were on YouTube and uh, the Donald on Reddit. Everything, again, it came from that deep frying culture of Trump would have laser red eyes that would beam and hit Hillary Clinton and like other things would happen where, you know, it's it's just like kind of like the dark, you know, nefarious side of the politicians when they when they have absolute power like the emperor in Star Wars. And so for for a lot of that stuff, like, I, I don't know. And in a sense, I mean, look, even Homelander, for example, like if you uh, follow the boys, where there's that one like fever dream thing of Homelander, you know. Actually, no, I don't want to spoil the show. So if anyone hasn't seen the boys, I highly recommend watching it. But um, you know, Tyler, <laughs> I'm also seeing you posted Tom Brady with red eyes out there. So <laughs> I guess it's well. Really I just wanted to show that people that were big into crypto. So before the FTX collapse, Tom Brady had this as well. A lot of popular figures did. I that's what I immediately thought, and that's kind of like the mainstream I think view of these red eyes. I'm just curious who on their marketing team was like, yeah, we gotta. Gotta make Joe Biden look cool. Let's give him some red eyes. Yeah, I really do think it's again, it's like you're this supreme power in the in the universe and you've got the red eyes. That's sort of like what it's been used yeah. for in meme culture for a long time. So yeah. Biden gives me that energy. Supreme No, that's the stupid being. thing. It's like he's so <laughs> lame and they're trying to make him cool and memeable. And and it's just not really sticking. For example, the mug that they put out the other day, it's uh Joe Biden's face on the front, dark Brandon. Uh, which, again, is them sort of embracing yeah. people saying, um, you know, the F Joe Biden it's thing Joe is Brandon. Joe Brandon. And then Dark Maga on the other side, where he had that one speech, remember, with like the red background that was cropped, where it was red, white and blue in the background, but yeah, people yeah. zoomed in. And so it only looked red. And so it was Biden coming in as like this sort of like fascist dictator being like, the MAGA, the MAGA people yeah. are bad people <laughs> and we have to go after them. And that was sort of the dark Brandon where he was going after MAGA Republicans. So in any case, a lot of the uh, cultural and meme meme economy stories aside, um, Prateek, can you can you lead us on to Nancy, please? And what she's saying about Kamala so Harris. Is, is Nancy on Kamala's side, question mark? So Nancy is it Kamala, seemed to by the way, Prateek, less than... important for the audience. Is it Kamala it's or Kamala? Kamala. Okay. It's it's Kamala, but I don't know because she's half African half Indian. So based on how she goes them, by, yeah. I don't know. She could be either. She could and be Vivek, any of them. Remember the whole Vivek situation. It's still Vivek, man. <laughs> no, he says it's, it's Vivek. Vivek. Like, I met he, another he's an Vivek. Idiot. It's Vivek. I, I met another Vivek recently, <laughs> and he said Vivek. That's but and he's it's from the same India. Way, Tyler, if I if I was to if you were to ask me how to pronounce my name, my real name of how to pronounce it is Pratik. Okay, but if you ask me how uh, what my name is, I'll be like Pratik. It's Wait, the same so, thing. Like nobody's gonna be like Pratik. What are you? But doing? what's the Indian it's way? It's gonna be Pratik. like Pratik. What's the Indian way for Vivek? Pratik. Vivek. 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 But it's not yeah. Vivek. He what says he it's it? Vivek. So he Americanized no. his name. Oh, he Americanized his name the same way I would say Pratik. It's technically Pratik. Okay. 
But it's I go by critique. We're gonna have to have a Beck on the show <laughs> to really ask oh, this one out. One here. thing before I start talking about Kamala Harris, just wanted to give you an update. So right now Trump's at fifty five percent in polling. DeSantis is at sixteen percent, and Nikki Haley has risen to. 6%, is that poll of polls or tied is that with a Ramaswamy? No, that's the one second. I'll tell you which poll. I think it's a Harvard Harris poll. Oh wow, it is a Harvard Harris oh, poll. Okay, but yeah, that's a pretty good one. But yeah, point is that they're tied now. And then Ramaswamy, uh, it, sorry, so uh, Ramaswamy is now at four percent. So Ramaswamy is kind of going down. Yeah, that's right. That. That's right. But now it's it's a one Vivek, poll, so Vivek, I don't know. whatever like his name is, Paul. it's going down. Maybe that's the cause of it. That's what I think. <laughs> I mean, Aaron Rodgers before he snapped his ankle gave a high five to Jake Paul. On the Apologies. And then it wasn't. It in. wasn't Harvard Harris. It was the Economist YouGov. So either way. Okay. So now back to the story. So Kamala Harris is Nancy on Kamala's side. Nancy Pelosi seemed to offer a less than ringing endorsement when asked if Kamala Harris was the best running mate for Joe Biden next year, saying he thinks so and that's what matters. But the former U.S. House Speaker also had praise for the vice president, telling CNN, and by the way, she's very, very politically astute. I don't think people give her enough credit. She's consistent with the president's values and the rest. People shouldn't underestimate what Kamala Harris brings to the table, she told CNN. People don't understand. She's politically astute. Why would she be vice president if she were not? But when she was running for attorney general in California, she had 6% in the polls, and she politically astutely made her case about why she would be good, did her politics, and became attorney general. It's funny that she said astute and astutely so much in that conversation. She's the vice president of the United States, Pelosi said. People say to me, why isn't she doing this or that? I say, because she is the vice president. That's the job description. You don't think that much. You don't do that much. You know, you're a very you're a source of strength, inspiration, intellectual resource. I think she's represented her country very well at home and abroad. Pelosi told MSNBC, the Biden-Harris team is our team. We're very proud of it. And we're all going to work very hard to make sure that they are reelected. So... What a ringing endorsement. I love the fact that Pelosi sounds just like Trump does. They all sound like the same. Like you people criticize Trump for sounding like all robotic. And Nancy Pelosi is no better. She literally used the word astute and astutely like 10 times in that whole speech. Well, what if it's so, astute and astutely? It sticks with you. Yeah, it drives it home. <laughs> well, look, she said she was like, you know, vice president, you don't do much. She's perfect for the job. I, I think that's a ringing non-endorsement of, look, we put her in this useless position because she's not really good at anything else. And she's doing a great <laughs> job because she doesn't do anything. And, you know, you should vote for them. It's such a weird way to go about it. Normally, you would say, oh, of course, she's very smart. She has, She's working on all these projects behind the scenes. You're not seeing it. But Nancy's like, no, you know, we're she's, she's just sitting useless. in the office just like playing with the slinky or something. No one really knows. To be doing. fair, and we're okay with that. Not only are we okay with that, we love stooges in office. We love people. We can just tell them what to do, <laughs> tell them what to believe, tell them what to say, and they just do it for us. It's crazy. That's what I'm saying. You know That's what, what we need in the Senate. Yeah, we need stooges <laughs> all the way to the top, baby. President VP, please. Not only is she playing with the slinky, she's playing with the slinky the same way that Joe Biden plays with the slinky, and that is what's good about her. <laughs> Um, and so I just have to say, like, for, for, for Kamala Harris, like, seriously, it's a weird time, right? Because on the one hand, Republicans are all saying, oh, Joe Biden's not going to be the president. It's, it's going to be Kamala Harris, right? She's going to step in and run things. But the, the fact is that for Nancy Pelosi, for example, right now, 
because there is this pressure outside of the party to say, and maybe there is some inside the party as well for Joe Biden not to be running, I, I would hope and imagine that there is some, again, um, just because we don't have to get into it now. But basically, like, for, for Joe Biden to have this pressure, Nancy Pelosi has to come out and sort of provide cover for him and say, look, Kamala Harris is good at her job. She aligns with the president. That's all she can end up saying, because if she is too nice to Kamala Harris, if she compliments her too much, then Kamala Harris stands out as being more capable than Joe Biden. And then people are going to start asking, well, if you're so nice to Kamala Harris, like, why don't you want her to be president? And so it's again, she's playing this game of you can be nice to Kamala Harris, but not too nice to the point where people think that you would prefer her over President Biden. And that's what Nancy Pelosi has to tiptoe. And again, at the end of the day, the Democrats have decided for better or worse that Joe Biden should still stick around. And until they decide not to, Nancy Pelosi has to be nice to Joe and Kamala Harris has to come second in that always. And going, uh, you know, full circle, this is my point, going back to what I was saying about, you know, the whole Democrat-Republican contest. In the end, Democrats know that based on polling data, none of these people can beat Trump apart from Biden. And that's the fact. Like, we talk about all these options that they got. They got Hillary Clinton can run again from her Why'd grave. Why you say Hillary Michelle Clinton? Michelle Obama can no decide. <laughs> I don't know, but Michelle Obama can decide to run for president because she has so much political experience being first lady. They have Gavin Newsom. They got Pete Buttigieg. They got a whole cream of the crop. All of these people that, that are amazing. That one guy with sex with uh, Obama. <laughs> oh yeah, that God, guy. That all those people. Um. But in the end, in the end, all those people in the end will event. In the end, they based on I said in the end a lot, based Astutely. on their voting data. They can't, astutely, based on their polling data, they can't beat Trump. And my point is that if you can't beat Trump, the reason why Joe Biden is their candidate and is the best guy that they had, even when they had 26 different candidates, is he's the only man that can beat Trump. Sure, Republicans like Ron DeSantis can go beat Joe Biden, but no other person in the Republican side can beat Biden and no other person on the Democratic side can beat Trump. So Trump, Trump and Biden are inevitable. Like there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> it this is the best yeah, they got we the got. Red eyes and they this got the is rings. the best we have. Dude, that's what they need. Yeah. That's what presidents need, the, the, by the way. Like the, the those Super Bowl 100% right, by the way. It is, it's basically inevitable for everyone out there. You may like whoever and your small candidate is that has 2%, but at the end of the day, they'll be wiped out. And it's not, because, it's not because I like, like these people that I'm saying that. It's because based on polling data, that's what it says. And Democrat strategists, just like Republican strategists, all they look at is polling data. If Trump tomorrow was losing to everybody in the primary polling, they're not going to choose Trump as their candidate. The reason they're choosing him is because it's a dog-eat-dog -dog game that revolves around numbers. If tomorrow Biden, if Biden had less numbers than all these other people in terms of their national polling with all their different candidates that don't have the balls to run, if all those Democrats decided to be running against Joe Biden, if Joe Biden was losing to any of them, if Joe Biden was losing to Hillary Clinton, if Joe Biden was losing to Gavin Newsom, if Joe Biden was losing to Bernie Sanders, those other people would be the candidate. It wouldn't be Joe Biden. The reason Joe Biden is the candidate is because Joe Biden consistently beats Trump and he beats all these people on one-on-ones or if not how however many people decide to run in their polling data. Joe Biden's a very good at is very good at polling. I wish like I said it like Trump. He's a very good. But you I know, wish polling was done is. and communicated differently in this country. On the one hand, it's good to have general national polls, but by the same token, just because someone's a 50-50 heads up on the national poll doesn't mean anything in terms of the general election. For example, when Trump won the election, he was losing in the general poll. Right. Everyone thought he was going to lose the election. 
And the way it was communicated to people in the public was that Hillary Clinton is going to have more of the popular vote. She's going to win. What happened on election night? Hillary Clinton won the popular vote by millions of people, but she lost the election because she lost in states that actually mattered, right? Just because you win like an extra million people in California, that doesn't help you win the election, right? So for a lot of the stand-up contested states, I just wish we did a better job of saying like, here are the states that are like big battleground states, right? So for example, going into that national poll, you have to assume it's it's places like West Virginia where we know Republicans are going to win West Virginia when the with the presidency. It's not even going to be close. Um, and for example, conversely, California, it's going to be Democrats, not even close. I just wish we did a better job of saying, here's the national poll, here's like the general popular heads up, plus here's like the states that matter. And let's focus on a couple of those and tell you about them. And that's what would be very beneficial. And unfortunately, I'm sure some news media organizations do this, but they don't do it enough. And I wish we had more of that in the mainstream conversation, because, for example, it it would be way more helpful for elections to say, like, here is the actual polling in Florida, which could be a purple state versus here's only the national poll. And that's all we're going to talk about. And I think one other thing. People talk about this stuff, right? We need to bring the independence in. We need to see what the independence. I know is. you don't like independence critique. Here, but I Tell us how much you yeah. don't like. Well, it's not independence. I, no, no, but I'm gonna I'm gonna look at it from a political scale, okay? All these polling datas, they all factor in. They all bake in independence within their polls, okay? Like these polls, again, polls are not like you know the Bible or anything. Like polls are been wrong. Generally speaking, polls are more right than they are wrong. And in terms of elections. Polls have generally called the rightful winner 90% of the time. They've been wrong every now and then. They were wrong with Trump, you know, Clinton. But for the most part, they were right with Bush Gore. They were right with Bush Kerry. They were right with, you know, whatever those other people were that ran against them. Bill Clinton and um, what is his name? That the guy that ran uh, Bush Sr. And then um, there's one other guy that was from North Carolina. I can't forget, I can't forget his name. No, it doesn't matter. But my point is that they're usually right. And they were right with Reagan Carter, too. They predicted that Reagan would blow out the election against Jimmy Carter. What happened? Reagan blew out the election against Jimmy Carter. But the point is, is that polls bake in all this stuff. We criticize polls. We criticize polling data. We criticize the science behind the polling. But in the end, that's the only avenue we have to predict anything. There's what, what are the other predictions? Like, we could be like, oh, maybe independents believe this. I talked to one independent and that guy. He was like, he I think there's this. some animal that's the accurately end, called political contests. Why don't we find a gopher or a fish and just have them tell us <laughs> what's going to happen? A groundhog. Exactly. It works for winter. Why wouldn't it work for and, you know, the point is that that's, that's the benefit of polling data. I do think that polls factor all this stuff in. So we can criticize polling. We could criticize polling data. And what Nick is saying is correct. My argument would be is that we have this whole caucus system and primary system all wrong. It's all BS. We should go to the states that matter more and then go down the list of the states that matter the least. California matters the most in the Democratic election system right democrats have 50 votes that they get electorally from california we should start with figuring out what democrats from california want if you really want to create a democratic system start with the top if democrats from california believe that this person is more qualified than their other 20 different options in the democratic party 
That should be the option you go with because that's what the majority of the people in this country believe. If the popular vote doesn't mean anything, that's the best way about it. Why the hell do we care about what's going on in Iowa and New Hampshire and Maine and all these South Carolina? Like these states are pointless. Sure, they matter. I'm not I'm not criticizing people that are from South Carolina and New Hampshire and Iowa, but in the end, why why do we have this random rule that we always start our elections in Iowa? Like the thing is, I don't care about Iowa. You care about the whole country. Iowa is always going to vote Republican. Why should Iowa have any importance on what Democrats decide to do in their primary cycle? And why are you trying to pander to a base if that base isn't going to vote for you in the long term anyway? I would argue that the Democrats should focus on their party states that are going to vote for them. The Republicans should focus on Texas and those states that are going to vote for them. And in the end, those other swing states, they can do their joint primaries together because you don't know how they're going to vote. But states that are pointless, if they're only going to give you one or two electoral votes, why even worry about them? Like, it's not like Rhode Island's going to shake or break anything. Who cares about Rhode Island? Even people from Rhode Island are like, we got to leave Rhode Island. We talked about this before, but the states actually decide when they do them. And for some reason, no one wants to go before <laughs> Iowa and the, you know, the corn lobby wins again. I, I, I personally don't understand why that's the case. They could change. You're right, Pratik. Someone against you would argue that you can't let the tyranny of the majority dominate the system. And that 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 that's kind of their vantage point. But I think you're right. It's like, it's always Iowa. So why are we, if, if not the majority, why is it Iowa <laughs> who dictates the trajectory of our entire election? Dude, we should put Iowa on You talk about voter fraud from potential, you know, bad actors, illegal immigrants, whatever, dead people. Think of the scarecrows that are voting in our elections because of <laughs> Iowa. Ridiculous that we we promote this actively. But no, on a more serious note, part of it, like Tyler was saying, it's like eh, they're going first. And part of this is um, they just have a complicated process, right? It's it's harder in Iowa. They have a very disjointed way of doing things. It takes them longer to come to a consensus at the end of the day with their caucus system. And so that's part of the reason they go first. And also Jimmy Carter, I guess ended up winning there and this this was moved there during the vietnam war why they moved it to iowa i honestly could not tell you but they moved it there then uh, so i'm actually kind of curious like where it was before iowa because it wasn't always the first state um but like tyler was saying i i fundamentally do agree though with both of you guys which sucks because i don't know which which way to go which is on the one hand well we could randomize with, it with critique it's like yes if we if we really if we really value just like the popular vote and pure democracy as it is, we would care about California first, right? Start big, then go smaller. And ter- just in terms of population, let's do it that way. Um, but then, like Tyler was saying, you're going to have some states like New Hampshire, like Rhode Island, whatever, that are very small, that at the end of the day, they're never going to matter unless they go first. And so that's the incentive there to actually have them early on so that people actually care about what New Hampshire cares about or care about what Rhode Island cares about instead of, you know, being sandwiched in the middle, which I think Rhode Island actually is kind of sandwiched in the middle or uh, towards the end. Or again, like if Rhode Island was the last state to vote, no one would even bother projecting it. They'd be like, who cares about this state? It's all done. Whatever. We've got California. We've got New York. We've got Texas. Like, who cares about Rhode Island? So. We should go and, big, small, 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 <laughs> big, small, 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 big. Should we do big, a Fibonacci small. sequence of it? My, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and my my argument is that people that are crit- critical of the election system will always say that why is our system operate on an electoral college? Why aren't we voting like a democracy? Why aren't we doing what the majority cool of the people that. want? If the popular vote shows one way, why do we go the electoral college way? Yeah, it's because you're a and coaster. And I think this is... 
This is my logic is that that's how you There's a lot of dumb people, Tyler. I'm one of those if dumb people. If it is if it is highest population to lowest population, I think that that would make more sense at least to me. But I guess we'll move on with this conversation. Let's talk about what was going on in Libya. There was a massive flood over there before we start closing it out. Tyler, what's going on? What happened in Libya? There's no easy transition to this, but let's just hit it. So massive flood in Libya. This week's catastrophic flooding in northeastern Libya has claimed over 5,500 lives, but the toll may soar further. Uh, Derna's mayor fears up to 20,000 casualties. Mediterranean Storm Daniel unleashed fierce winds and torrential rains, breaching dams, devastating homes, and engulfing entire neighborhoods from Sunday to Monday. So any thoughts on this catastrophic event? No, it's just... My heart goes out to these people. It's pretty sad. And... Yeah, it's it's very sad news. Um, part of it is it's not just the flooding. It's that some of the dams ended up getting overloaded, and that's part of the reason why people died. And so... Like, when you think about it, it's it's a very strange idea, right? The fact that you have, for example, Libya. No one thinks of Libya as, like, a lush jungle with all this greenery or, like, snowy mountains with all this stuff or, like, these winding rivers. No one thinks of Libya when they think of it. They think of some desert, some godforsaken place where these terrible things are happening, people have been dying, and it's the things are not good. And so if you have a lot of rain in a desert environment, you know, the ground isn't going to soak all of that up. And so, you know, the dams overflowed and it killed a bunch of people. And that's very sad. Um, one thing I did want to draw attention to is the fact that like dams in the U.S. used to kill a lot of people as well. We've had like thousands of people die as a result of dam failures in the Western United States, in particular, where a lot of the big dams are. And so a lot of that, in part, I'm glad it's not really happening anymore. There are occasionally dam deaths that still do happen in the U.S. Um, with some of the overflows and flooding. But, you know, for the most part, thankfully, that's not as much of a thing anymore but it it used to be that again some of these dams in the u.s would break um during these torrential conditions and you know a lot of people would die as a result and it's a very sad thing so hopefully the recovery efforts go well this actually has i think the storm ripped through turkey and some other places before it ended up hitting libya so again you know that part of the world they can't get a break they've got war they've got violence and then what do they have? They've got dams and rain. And th- none of these things are good, right? Uh, so, again, very sad. And, um, yeah, hoping they have a good recovery. Yep. And with that, moving on to our last story. Hashtag smoke weed every day. We have the White House is actively promoting President Biden's mass pardon, uh, mass marijuana pardon, rather, efforts through the Fight for Our Freedom campaign, targeting young voters ahead of the upcoming election. Last week, Fact Sheet highlights his cannabis reform, acknowledging racial disparities in marijuana criminalization. Vice President Kamala Harris joins a uh, college tour to discuss the campaign, but her stance on cannabis reform remains unclear. We all know that she was against it, you know, when when b- before becoming vice president. So it'll be curious to see her, hear her evolution on that topic. I also want to add that now in the Senate, there is something called the Safe Banking Act, which is going to help. Um, if it passes, which it looks like it will, looks like they've gotten enough Republicans to help pass uh, the banking reform for, for cannabis. Up, up until this point, it was very difficult to actually bank the money if you're a cannabis-related business. Um, so this would help with that. So it seems to be a lot of movement on this front. Personally, I don't know how much of an effect it's going to have on the general public because at this point, you know, many states have legalized marijuana before the federal government's taken any action. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that might affect, you know, voting. But what are your guys' thoughts? So 
it's pretty cool. And again, my what's funny is I was researching marijuana. So California, Canada, by the way, has a marijuana party. So they have a party dedicated to this effort. They don't have any opinions about anything else. They have one goal. They want to legalize marijuana in Canada. I think in the future, if our system was ever to become a parliamentary system, we would have different factions like this. And the marijuana party usually has around like five or six people that get elected from. And that's actually pretty good in Canada. Like, I think, you know, it's pretty intense. Like, you know, these, these, this issue has been an issue for a long time. And I do, it is crazy how like this, this thing is like one of the things that a lot of young people care about. A lot of the older people, a lot of the mid-age people, this doesn't really impact them in any way. They're not like, they're not fighting a crusade to legalize marijuana. If marijuana gets legalized and they smoke weed, they're like, okay, good. If they don't like weed and they're in like tobacco farms and stuff, they're like, oh, we don't want that stuff legalized because it's going to hurt our business. But all of it is based on where you are. But this isn't a topic that people are like willing to go like, you know, be like, oh man, I, you really want marijuana legalized? You really want marijuana legalized? Because in the end, it's like, okay, yeah, cool. Marijuana gets legalized, cool. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It I think it was it at a point though. I think there was a point in time where if a candidate had come out and said, I, I personally believe if Trump did this, he would have gotten some votes. I don't know if it would have changed the election results, but I think if you would have done lost it before those. a lot of states legalized, you had more of an opportunity to sway voters. At this point, you know, most states. I think if Trump did it, Trump would lose votes because his votes revolve around the MAGA wing. A lot of the people that vote for him as well are tobacco farmers and people that are in the agricultural industry. And the biggest lobbyists that you have against marijuana are people from the agricultural industry and big pharma. So I think it's all related to why Trump didn't do anything. It's crazy that Biden is doing something because Biden doesn't really care about. I guess Biden doesn't really care about the agricultural votes all that much. But he cares about the pharma so, vote. I mean, let's be real. He here. does. He does. But then again, Biden is all thing about Democrats is they're really ballsy. They do whatever they want. Like they they like they have like, you know, they're the ones that are trying to shut down these big banks. And who support who the who the big banks support? They support the Democrats. You got people that are like Elizabeth Warren that are like, we want to shut down Wells Fargo and Bank of America, break them up into smaller banks. But Wells Fargo and Bank of America usually support the Democratic Party. So in my opinion, I think Democrats are good. They're a smart party, as I've said. They know how to get the people that they are trying to throw under the bus to vote for them. They know how it's done. So I think the same with thing weed. applies with marijuana. <laughs> That's why they're willing Give to do it. Give the young people weed. They'll vote for us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's what we. That's, what, that's all I got. So you got any final thoughts, Nick? No. I hope everyone has a wonderful weekend. Enjoy it. And uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks so much for listening. All right. With that, that's our show. Thank you for listening. That's episode 148. And please follow. Please share. Again, we really do appreciate it. Share with friends, family, anyone who you would think would get something out of this conversation. So look forward to next week's conversation. Hope you guys all have a great day. Take care.